I own WCW. So therefore, in its final broadcast tonight on TNT, I have the opportunity to address you, the WCW fans. I have an opportunity to address you, the WCW superstars. What is the fate of WCW? Well, tonight, in a special simulcast, you'll all find out. Because the fate, the very fate of WCW is in my hands. Hello, welcome to the UTT podcast. Do not adjust your headset. This is me, this is James, the overlord of that 90s wrestling podcast and Robin Dan's boss. And we're taking over. We have bought the competition. So think of me as the Vince McMahon and think of Mags as my Tristratus. Whoa! I've got way <laughs> better jugs than Tristratus. I'm the, surely I'm the Shane. The, the bit part player in this story. But yeah, it's an honour to be involved in this uh, cool project, this simulcast uh, of, uh, of UTT uh, and that now is wrestling podcast. And we hold the wrestling world in our hands. We won the war. We bought our competition. Damn right. <laughs> and uh, we got the we got the good show today because while Rob and Dan is recording the last Nitro, which is a historic uh, show in itself. We're actually on the Raw side. We're on the winning side tonight. And yeah, Raw's War. It was on March 26, 2001 in the heartland of America, Cleveland, Ohio. We're back in Ohio, Max, from King of the Ring 93. Cheap plug. Oh. rest of the media world at the time. Very different to what we're used to. We normally got the early 90s stuff. So let's, look, let's go back to 2001, March 26, and look at the music charts. So let's top of the UK it. music charts. Hearsay, pure and simple. <laughs> wow. That was that was 20 years ago. Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, Did you watch pop stars? I watched the, the first couple of like, seasons of the, all those kind of like reality uh, music competitions, but they faded very quickly for me. But yeah, I remember watching the, the original. You remember Darius? I do. He's, he was a fair big star afterwards as well. Yeah, I don't think, I think he's faded away recently. Didn't he do a song called Colorblind or something like that? That's right. Yeah. Like yeah. a year after Pop Stars, they'd done Pop Idol. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but Pop Stars was where they'd done the uh, Britney Spears cover. Yeah. It's me, and... baby, one more. Start clapping his hands. <laughs> Time. <laughs> he was awesome. And uh, top of the US music charts, Crazy Town, Butterfly. Oh, that's, a, that's still a banger now. Yeah. Yeah. Top of the UK movie chat, Miss Congeniality. Uh, Sandra Bullock, she's evergreen. She never ages that woman. She, I think she looks younger now than she did back in 2001. Yeah. Oh, she's beautiful. And top of the US charts, Heartbreakers. And uh, the video game world, we just saw the release of the uh, Game Boy Advance. So. Yeah, which I had a Game Boy Advance, and it was one of the best things ever. Oh, yeah, I love me handheld devices. I remember having the PSP, which were fun, but I remember having the Game Boy Color, and uh, as a kid, yeah, I used to just play Pokemon and stuff. <laughs> oh, it was the Mario games for me. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, opening, and uh, before the show starts, you get that opening, like that. I miss it so much. Yeah. <laughs> it gets you hyped up. I've watched a lot of Raws for a long, long time, but I, I caught 
one of the like the special episodes. It might have been like Raw 1000, something like that, or Raw 20 or whatever. And the theme tune that they've got now is awful compared to yeah. the ones that they've had. I mean, the Union Underground, and is this, this was the, the uh, one and one, the thorn in your oh, yeah. eye. What a banging theme tune that was. Yeah. It's my life in box. Enjoy the beat. <laughs> They're just like they just got you hyped up uh, for the show. Like I can't tell you what the last five Raw themes are. No, but there's the one, obviously the classic Raw's War one, what you mentioned. I remember the ruthless aggression era one. Um, You've got the guns, the drugs of my generation, and and uh, there was the... the music play that fucking music. <laughs> and what was the other one? What's the band now? Uh, you know, he sings that cut my life. This is my last resort. What's the name of the band now? Oh, um, oh, I know the band as well. Oh, what is the fucking name? This is great oh. audio. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, the song, uh, what Papa are they? Roach. Papa Roach, Papa Roach. Yeah. Yeah. They had the theme song during the Ruthless Aggression. It was like, Whoa, I'm gonna make it. Whoa, I just, I just want to be. Yeah, and I think that was the the very last good one. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, Nickelback had a good one. No, it's Nickelback though, isn't it? Yeah, I was say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, never my theme song. So opening, we see uh, Vince McMahon, and he's in front of two TVs showing uh, WCW Nitro, and obviously Monday Night, uh, well, Raw is Raw, and he talks about having uh, WCW in his hands. You hear the fans cheering, and he mentions some names, mentions Jeff Jarrett, this time it will, tonight will be capital G, double O, double N, double E. I'm think I'm thinking goon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean I know what he was going for clearly, but it it's double O double N E. It's goon. It's yeah. goon goon N E. <laughs> the goon coming back to WWF. <laughs> Well, he will be. In a, he will be in a week's time at WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he, he mentions that there will be a special uh, simulcast later on, and I never actually watched the WCW one. Uh, I was I was actually going to watch it just in preparation for this, but I just uh, I didn't end up having the time. But I'm going to go back and watch it to see what the crossover actually was, whether there was a, a lot of crossover, whether it was just that kind of a that one uh, little segment. Yeah, and. Like we mentioned in the opening, we get the uh, Attitude Era theme, which is just awesome, and the big roars, raw stage, fireworks, all the signs in the crowds and that. Just, you couldn't help but just get hyped up. I mean, this, this to me, is the absolute peak of wrestling this point here, like coming into WrestleMania X7. But all the signs, like the fans, you could tell it was just popular. The fans was just high school students, college students, and all them who just, like, was... Yeah, they liked the wrestling, but it was out there just to have a good time. So, like, casual fans and, like, this opening got so hyped up. And JR and Paul Heyman's on commentary. I love this pairing, JR and Paul Heyman. Yeah, um, Paul Heyman really sucking up to, to Vince McMahon. Um, <laughs> ironic that he'd soon be the, one of the, the leading figures in, in turning on, on McMahon later on in, uh, in the year. But... The fans were, were hyped. You can tell that this was a big event because uh, I, I had a look at uh, the numbers to to kind of like steal the gimmick from uh, UTT. And I think this episode of Raw got a 4.7 rating uh, and the, the Nitro episode actually got a 
zero all the way through, which yeah. is which was up like fifty percent on the the weeks before. Um, so it was massive, it was like nearly seven million people watching this show all the way through, and and the actual simulcast bit, the numbers went up even more to like a, a grand total of like a, a seven point nine for all of wrestling. So this was this was huge business for for WWE. And especially considering they they bought essentially bought their competition. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, uh, you know, I mean, wrestling's not in a bad place at the minute. We AEW is a good alternative for people, and we've got other companies. But people like do say this is the best wrestling's ever been. And I'm like, maybe in ring style, yeah, in ring work possibly, but popularity and like you know global appeal and mainstream. This is the peak and. Yeah, I mean, was, any wrestling company now would would give their RT for six million viewers. Oh yeah, and, uh, and back then that wasn't even the highest rated uh, RAW. I mean, just a couple of uh, months before they they'd done a five point one, a five point four. After this had happened, they'd boost up to like five point one, four point nine eight. So th- these were numbers they were hitting regularly, like yeah. six million people watching RAW regular, and now. They they're hitting record lows of one point five, but uh, but yet they're making tons more money than they did back in this period. So <laughs> makes no sense. <laughs> no, I think it just shows that the maybe the Nielsen ratings are are, are outdated now. Uh, more yeah. people are, more people are consuming wrestling through YouTube or through streaming oh, yeah. or or stuff like that. And nobody's sitting down to really watch a three hour raw when you can pick bits of it off the YouTube channel pretty much straight away and still be still be up to up to press with all, all the storyline. So yeah, I think it's just the way that the world has, has gone in terms of consuming their their content. Yeah, that's what I do to be honest. Like all shows, AEW, Impact, WA, yeah, I just look at, you know, highlights and forty minute highlights uh, that's me. And you know, it chops out a lot of the stuff. And that's why I suppose I can enjoy even Raw, which I know Raw gets a bad rep, but I don't know if it's because it gets condensed down to 40 minutes. I'm like, it ain't that bad, but I would imagine three hours of it. Yeah. (laughs) I suppose it's good picking out the 40 minutes of of interesting stuff. It's the the two hours and 20 of of absolute dog shit that you have to go through to get to that. (laughs) So, yeah, and talking of dog shit, we see WWF New York. (laughs) No, I'm lying. I would have loved to have gone there. I really would have done. They, it, this was in the area though where pretty much every week they threw to somebody who was in WF New York. Is it is it even still going? I don't know if it, it's still going. Is it? No, uh, it was WF New York, and then it became the World. Oh, okay. uh, when it and then it, it was on Times Square, and like you know, it, like it's expensive there, property yeah. and whatever. But yeah, I I got no idea. What, I don't know if it's like a Planet Hollywood, something like that, maybe now. But I would have loved to have gone there. Um, yeah, you know. I it would have been great, but we see uh, them hyping up uh, the main event, Stone Cold and The Rock tag teaming against the Brothers of Destruction, just for a, a raw that main event, <laughs> Stone Cold and The Rock and the Brothers of Destruction. That's why I keep saying to people, you don't understand how popular it was in the peak. Look at mm-hmm. that, look at that main event we got to look forward to. And, and, and Undertaker and Rock and Stone Cold. 
that would be amazing if it was just a one-off. But uh, I've just uh, recorded an episode of UTT with uh, with uh, Dan and Robert. We covered the Christmas episode from 2000, so a couple of uh, about three months before this episode, and they main evented with Rock versus Undertaker, and then the the uh, one of the matches before that was Kane versus Stone Cold. So yeah, the, it, back then, whilst we we probably don't appreciate it as much. It was jam packed with star power. Every yeah. single match was was big star after big star, and, and uh, not kind of like uh, the way wrestling is now, where especially WWE, where there are well known names, but no one's a massive star. Mm. These were all legitimate huge stars. I mean, Kurt Angle, uh, Edge and Christian, uh, Rock, Stone Cold, Kane, Undertaker, all massive names, and they were all. They're all on a weekly raw every single week. It's just phenomenal. We don't realize how spoiled we was. No, we were. We were definitely, definitely spoiled. And uh, speaking of Kurt Angle, he opens the show up. I love Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle is going higher and higher in my esteem. Um, I think he's, I don't know if you could say he's a comedy wrestler, but in my opinion, he kind of is. But the thing is, he was such a dork and you could laugh at him, but he could back it up. But he says it's shocking. Six days for WrestleMania, he hasn't got a match. And he's like, yeah, it's true. And he says he calls himself the best wrestler in the world. Then Chris Benoit comes out. Benoit says he's got good news and bad news. He says he also doesn't have a match. But he says, you know, he challenges him. And they attack each other. Benoit gets him in the crossface. And uh, Edge and Christian makes the save. But Kurt Angle is just so good because he's, he's just like a dog, ain't he? He's just like... Well, I am the champ, and like I am good, but he's just—he's so good. But you know, he can back it up in the ring, and it's crazy to think, like, like because Kurt Angle was the champion the month before and before he lost the Rock, and yeah, six days before WrestleMania, neither of them's got matched it. So WWE's like, WWF, sorry, is like, just put them together. What's the gimmick? Just find out who's the best wrestler in the world. It works because the two of them at the takeaway. The Benoit tragedy, we know what's happened, but this happened, you know, years before that happened. So we'll put that aside to one side if we can. But you're looking at these two wrestlers at this point, and you can stake a claim that these two were two of the best wrestlers in the world. And I don't think that can even be argued. Uh, and and I like your point about uh, Kurt being a, a comedy wrestler, but I think it's it's even more than that. I think for someone who was a legitimate gold medalist in a in a legitimate wrestling sport he turned his his hand to pro wrestling so well like mm-hmm. he he got it straight away and he could do the comedy he could do the serious stuff his acting chops were superb i mean the, his running tna was phenomenal yeah. um, but the whole build of this uh was essentially I'll make you tap out to the ankle lock. Well, I'll make you squeal to the cripple crossface. What yeah. more did you need? What more of a storyline did you? It didn't need anything convoluted, and it also goes to show that this this kind of a um, furore about hot shot booking that we're getting nowadays, it happened twenty years ago. This was the biggest show in the calendar, <laughs> and they booked a match six days before, and it, yeah. and it, it ended up being uh, two of the best wrestlers in the world being booked for for a, a, a WrestleMania match not even a week before the show. It's so this kind of hot shot booking is not a new thing, guys. It's been been coming around for decades. 
And uh, we go backstage and we see uh, Princess McMahon with uh, Trish and they've got the TV on. They look at uh, Lex Luger and Buff. <laughs> He's like the Lex Express run down the steam and Buff got stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> He's just taking a bit out of himself with Lex Express. And yeah, we see um, highlights and uh, we see Michael Cole with some uh, stats at Michael Cole with highlights and he's there <laughs> and he's interviewing with the Deborah. frosted tips you can tell we're in that early 2000s <laughs> and he's with uh, Deborah and they talk about uh, Stone Cold and Rock and we get to our first match of the night and if we can call it a match <laughs> Taz v Falvinas the Lumberjack match Falvinas is accompanied by Right to Sensor which I keep saying today will probably be the biggest baby faces in the world especially with cancel culture <laughs> and we see the APA come out and Jacqueline. I literally wrote down four moves. Taz mission, Stevie kick, money shot, Northern Light suplex, one, two, three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, what, less than an actual minute from bell to bell for, yeah. for this match. But the rad sensor, looking back at him, I fucking hated him. I absolutely hated yeah. him. But they did exactly what they, what they were meant to do. The whole point of the, the theme music was to really kind of like ruin the flow of the show and, and, and make you despise these. And you did, because Godfather was amazing as, as the pimp, and he was a toss pot in a, in a shirt and tie. Val Venus was, was funny as, a, as the pole star. Douchebag, not only in real life, but as, a, as a wearing a, a shirt and tie. So it, it worked. It did what it needed to do. And, and they, were, they were good at uh, essentially being the fall guys for, 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 the, for the faces, but still looking kind of strong afterwards. I mean, that, that uh, Stevie kick, it looked like it took Taz's head off. Yeah, he didn't have to kick too high for it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Taz with a one, two, three. We see Vince uh, McMahon again with Trish and uh, joined by Regal, and he's going to have a warm-up match. And we see an uh, advert for the XFL. <laughs> and and again, I've, I've mentioned this a few times when we've covered this area on various podcasts. It's um, It still amazes me how many balls Vince McMahon juggled in the air at this time. To be planning for your biggest WrestleMania ever, which is your biggest show of the year, to have your biggest two stars in the main event. Then you're running the XFL in the background, and then you're sorting out a deal to buy the second biggest wrestling company in, in the world. And then you're throwing this show together where you're doing this simulcast. What a man. What I mean, as much grief as we give him now for, for uh, potentially ruining uh, WWE and not knowing when to, when to let go, the guy, was, he was a machine back at this time. Yeah. To, to be uh, front and centre of the show, plus juggling all the, the backstage logistics, plus building up to your biggest show of the year. Yeah, phenomenal. I love that how they call the maniacs, the maniacs with an X. <laughs> how to get an X in there. <laughs> Next we see uh, Doink is in the crowd, and they hype up the uh, gimmick battle royal. <laughs> I love that match. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's even mentioned in the in the opener with uh, Kurt because he's uh, he actually stumbles over saying gobbledygooker a couple of times, but uh, he yeah. pulls it back. Yeah, and they had that uh, that gimmick battle royal more than probably any other match on the card. It, <laughs> they really push it on this uh, on this simulcast raw. <laughs> yeah, we get to the uh, next match, and it's William Regal, and he calls out the Hollies. Crash Holly comes out with Molly Holly. Uh, I've always loved Crash Holly. It's such a shame what happened. Like. Mm-hmm. 
committing suicide at such a young age, I always found them entertaining, and he was one of my favourites. And you think Regal's facing Crash, but he doesn't. He uh, chucks Crash out the ring, and he's actually facing there Molly. But Crash jumps in to try and make the save, and Regal gets uh, Crash in the STF, and then Doink interferes and slaps on the walls of Jericho. Not quite Matt Bourne, but I think we'll give Jericho a pass as Doink. <laughs> yeah, this was certainly not dad bod Jericho. This was uh, this was prime Jericho. But I uh, yeah. just want to circle back to, to Regal. He, he gets a little bit of mark time, which ironically, because he got some mark time on the, the show I've just covered with Dan and, and Rob on UTT. Uh, but he talks about WC and then takes a little pause and then WC Fields. He says, and yeah. he once said that the best cure for insomnia is sleep. Well, no shit. <laughs> Obviously, it's the best cure. But then he's uh, uh, linking to how he's not going to rest until he beats uh, Chris Jericho for for that intercontinental title. But the match was, it was a nothing match. It was just there to harp up the match between uh, between Regal and, and Jericho. And props to to uh, Molly for taking the the brute of the punishment. In 2021 hours, it looks a bit cringy, where he's essentially beating up on a on a on a, a girl. If if he if he did that now, he'd probably be in the hashtag Me Too. But yeah, it it did what it needed to do. We all knew it was Jericho as Doink, so yeah, it just harps the match coming up at WrestleMania. Did you ever hear the uh, read the Chris Jericho story in his book about that night dressing up as Doink? Go on, I don't I don't think I have. Right, so apparently Shawn Michaels was backstage that night. And let's say Shawn Michaels is under the influence of many narcotics. No, uh, that's not like Shawn. I don't believe that for an instant. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> apparently he came up to write, uh, Chris Jericho while Jericho's dressed up as Doink. Oh, I can't believe they have you as Doink the Clown now. No, Shawn, it's just for tonight. It's just for a spot. I really can't believe they've got you as Doink now. No, Sean, it's just for tonight. Man, such a shame they've got you as Doink now, and he's staggered off. <laughs> Jericho's wow. like, there's my hero, just staggering off. <laughs> I didn't know what to Jesus think. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he's still getting paid during all this time he was retired as well, Sean Michaels. Yeah, That's I mean, crazy. it goes to show, though, that you can turn your life around. You can oh, yeah. have, have issues and become a better person, because I still would say that his, his 2002 run is probably the best run of his career. Yeah. Uh, and that's when essentially he started getting clean, so. Yeah. So we go to the next segment, see uh, Vince McMahon backstage game with Trish, and uh, <laughs> they're watching TV, they see Dustin Rhodes, and he tells a story about Dustin wanting to get breast implants. <laughs> he and used he said, to be gold dust, and then he <laughs> wanted to get breast implants. I mean, who would want some big, succulent, tender... Breast. Oh, it was horribly creepy. And Trish was sat there just lapping it up. It's like, oh no. This I don't think this storyline will go down well now. Oh she ain't had money that night. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we see uh coach Regal. Uh Regal is the commissioner and he says that Chris Jericho will be facing the big show later on tonight. And we get to the next match, uh Team Eck, which is Edge Christian and uh, Kurt Angle. Against Benoit and the Hardys, and I had the biggest crush on Lita during these days. Like I must have been, what well, I was about eleven, coming twelve. So, pretty, you know, just starting to get into puberty. Lita and Trish Jackson on my TV. Lita was 
she was my number one at the time. And plus, oh, I love the Hardy Boys as a tag team. Just the whole group, they were, they were mine. Yeah, and then they introduced Rano, and Rano was very, very excited to to meet Kurt Angle. Like, like really intensely excited, and he said, "Any friend of Edge and Christians is a friend that he's willing to bleed for." Yeah, I love Kurt Angle. <laughs> I don't know about the intelligence and the integrity, but he's got some intensity. That was a great lad. <laughs> they hype up Rock and Austin, and we see the shorter version of uh, the My Way promo. And like, it's not the proper long one. This is a shorter one. But you watch this promo, and you, like I'm watching, I'm like, man, I want to watch WrestleMania after this. <laughs> yeah, it's peak production by WWE. Absolutely peak. There's a reason why WrestleMania 17 is, is held in such esteem and a big part of it is the, the production of, of these promos that really got you hyped up. Yeah. And go back to J.R. and Heyman and uh, then they show you the sit-down, what happened on the SmackDown before. And mm-hmm. just so good. You got the two biggest stars of the company sat down and talking about the match. Stone Cold, I need to beat you. I need to be champion. That's what I want. And... They unnecessarily put Deborah into the feud. Like, she didn't really need to be there. I mean, it's nice to look at Deborah, but she didn't need to be there. They, you just needed these two. And I don't, and apparently, from what I've, accounts I've heard, I don't think Austin was too pleased that she was thrown in the storyline. And that's why by the time Mania came, she never even, she wasn't even on the show. Yeah. She was like completely out of it. But no, this is great stuff. Then we get back to Vince and Trish again, and uh, they have a big old soppy kiss this time. Yeah, oh, it's, I mean, what was it then? About 50, 52, 53 years old. It's, yeah, it's very, very creepy. Very, very, very creepy. But he said he needed that little bit of good luck because he was coming out for the part of the show that I assume is is uh, the, the only segment that links both shows. Yeah. So, this is it's just the most biggest... It must be in their top five moments in the history of wrestling. Yeah, I mean, Vince put a lot of hyperbole on it, saying that there's only one man who's going to be making history, and it's going to be Vince McMahon. But in theory, it was history. This was their two biggest companies. They've been rivals for for decades. Uh, really, kind of ramped up in the in like the five years before this, and essentially, he, he bought his competition. It's it's monumental. It's ironic that this led us down the track that that we're at now because WWE went so long without any major competition that now we've got AEW, it kind of feels like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Before we get into the promo, Mags, obviously you're, like, you know, a tiny bit older than me, but so you was a, was you a teenager during this time? I was 21. Fuck you. You're still no. young. <laughs> but, D- but... That was so patronising. Well, you're still young compared <laughs> to like a, an oak tree or oh, a tortoise. I, I, <laughs> I wish I was 21 again. <laughs> but you know, you you grew up watching wrestling, so you know you experienced like you know, like I experienced as a child. You experienced as you know as a young adult, and you saw WCW and WWE at its peaks. Mm-hmm. When this moment, when like this before online really got popular it only started coming into play now with the internet but when this moment happened or when you heard that wcw's gone out of business and wf you know bought it 
what was that moment like for you? Like, was you like, wow, how has this happened? What was it like for you personally? Yeah, so I was a, a dad in the womb, WWF fan. Uh, I've said on, on multiple podcasts that I, I did... I didn't get a lot of WCW. I mean, when we uh, we got episodes of Worldwide, uh, which was like the a kind of like a weekly clip show, uh, I'd, I'd watch it. But I wasn't heavily into WCW. I knew the big players over there. Uh, and that's why it was a, a massive uh, thing when Jericho came over uh, in in 1999. But yeah, even then, as someone who didn't watch a lot of WCW, I knew that this was a big thing because they had been kicking WWF's ass for, for a long, long time. They had a lot of uh, the stars that I grew up with over there on WCW. So it felt massive even then. And as, as someone who was on the winning side, I suppose, I felt like that I'd won, that my picks had, had won, the, won the war. It's only now as uh, as I've got older, I've realised that we didn't really win. Uh, actually, wrestling would go through kind of a, a bit of a rough patch uh, because of of stuff like this. Uh, and I kind of like miss that competition, I suppose, between two huge companies. And I know we're getting that uh, on a very smaller level now with, with AEW. But yeah, I, at the time, I remember thinking, yep, yeah, I'm part of the winning team. Yeah. Like, so, like, I was young. And during the Monday Night Wars, like 97 and 98 uh, and 99, I actually had more access to WCW than I did WWE because WWE was on Sky uh, and it was on like Sky Sports and that. Whereas in WCW, after it was every Friday night or Monday night, I think it was Friday nights actually. Yeah, it would have been. It was Friday nights, Cartoon Network would finish at nine o'clock and it would turn into TNT. And Mitro was on every week on a Friday. So I actually watched more WCW during this time in WWF, which is weird because you know I love WWF. And so I used to watch WCW a lot and I remember seeing like Rey Mysterio for the first time and you know watching more Sting and stuff like that. And then I remember the first WWF pay-per-view I started watching again was that was I think it was like late 90s or Royal Rumble 2000. So I, I kind of had an idea what was happening, but because I never had access on it, only like videotapes, yeah. I missed a lot of it during the wars. So that's why I watch a lot of it now on the network. And so I remember like seeing the downfall of WCW in like 2001 and late 2000s, and it was all changing. And then I was watching more WF at the time. So my dad said to me one uh, morning, he said, do you know who owns WCW now? And and because I was all in kayfabe and things like that as an eleven year old, I was thinking it's Ric Flair, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that's cute. It is cute. I, I miss them days. And he's like, "No, Shane McMahon." I'm like, "What, Shane McMahon?" And uh, then find out what's happening and things like that. And yeah, it's. I mean, what a moment. But yeah, Vince comes out. He makes Leon Garcia uh, announce him twice. There was the line from Paul Heyman saying when Alexander Alexander the Great sat uh, on the stone and cried because he realised there was no, he, he conquered the world. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, Heyman's great on commentary. Yeah, he and was so, so good. He puts, like you said earlier, he puts McMahon over and he really does. And he, McMahon, he bought, I bought my competition. And he yep. says that time, time Warner begged him to buy WCW. <laughs> yeah, did he say that this is as well the 
the first time the show will be seen live, but both on TNN and then TNN again, and he was meant to say TNT or something That's like right. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's, he calls uh, Panama City the Redneck Riviera. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and then uh, how they were, Time Warner were essentially begging him and uh, the, the contract's there, but he hasn't signed it just yet because he's got a small condition and he's waiting till WrestleMania to sign the deal because he wants Ted Turner to come down the aisle and deliver the contract to him in the ring. I thought, this is a proper, this is a power play. This is something Vince would do. And ironically, it's that power play that, that screws him over because if he had a sound in kayfabe terms, if he had a sound the deal, we wouldn't have got what we got uh, at the back end of this uh, of this segment. But I, I really, really enjoyed how I said, the the only way you beat a billionaire and his massive media conglomerate is if you become a billionaire yourself. And then he harps up his match against uh, Shane coming up uh, where he said he's going to be uh, accompanied by uh, Stephanie, by Trish and by Linda, who's going to be sat in one corner, really kind of rubbing it in. But then the best part of it is, was when he was, uh, after he'd said uh, what he's going to do with the with the library, where he's going to just sit there and watch him uh, and keep rewinding day after day after day, or if he should bring some of the, the, the talent over. And then he mm. goes through like some of the names and there were some, some names got some big, big cheers. I mean, he mentions Hulk Hogan, who gets a, a massive cheer. He says uh, Lex Luger gets booed out the building, even though he, he yep. weren't actually in the building. Booker T gets a massive cheer. Buff Bagwell got a, a big cheer. Scott Steiner got a huge cheer. Yeah. Uh, and and then um, I think, I don't know whether he was stalling for time, but then he says, oh, I'll go through some more then. What about Sting? Uh, and then he says Goldberg and the roof blew off that arena when he said bring Goldberg in. But yeah, this promo was, this was Vince reveling in winning the war. It was so damn good. And he said, he knows exactly what he's going to do. He's putting WCW on the shelf. He's buried them and he will bury anybody in the world who tries to compete with him. Yeah. One of my highlights as well, there was a sign, a fan sign. And it said, don't feel too bad, Shane. My father regrets my bare posters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> well, speaking of Shane, he pops on the team. Well, you hear he, the theme song, No Chance in Hell, and the Titantron, but you see him in the uh, WCW ring, and he famously says the name on the contract reads McMahon, but it says Shane McMahon. Big cheer from the uh, Panama crowd. And yeah, what a moment. Could you imagine? Do you reckon that will happen between WWE and AEW? Could you imagine? <laughs> the, yeah, the Tony Khan sells sells up to Stephanie, or or even better, sells up to Trips. Bleach. I would love it. <laughs> I would love the WWE by AEW. <laughs> Not to be. It's weird. I, I don't mind AEW now, and there's I like some of the talent. It's the fucking. Uh, we've spoken many times. It's the fans and the media bias from. That's what annoys me. And I just, I wish, I don't want AEW to go out of business because it's a good spot place for wrestlers to go to. And it's always great that they're making money. But uh, sometimes it's just like, I wish WWE could just do something just to shut like the fans up for a change. Just 
you know, don't, like stop the cockiness, basically. Yeah, I mean, uh, me and uh, and Ray covered it on a, a recent episode on on Chairshot. This was cool in two thousand and one. Yeah, in twenty twenty one, it feels almost cringy. Um, oh, this whole yeah. we know so much more about the wrestling business. Even uh, fans who were relatively new know that it's 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 scripted. When we were kids, we didn't know it was scripted. We thought it was genuine facts and genuine storylines. But we know so much more about it. We've got so much more access to these talents. We know it's not a war. All the, the the sensible fans know that this is not a yeah. war. This is just more content for all of us to to enjoy. Uh, no matter what kind of style of wrestling you like, there's something out there for you. But to keep that pushing this phony war uh, with all the media outlets and the the ridiculous kind of drawing lines in the sand with with the fans and arguing over. Uh, who's got the best rate, best uh, viewing numbers, and when your company loses at that, who's got the best demos, and then who gets the the best eighteen to forty nine, and who uh, who yeah. got the most people in Chicago, and who got the most people called Jim to watch their show? It, it gets ridiculous. It, it takes away from the amazingly talented wrestlers because right now we've got probably the 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 most talented like group of wrestlers that we've ever ever had. And the focus from the two biggest companies is backbiting each other. It's, it's it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and I've I've said this many times. I feel like today's fans they they literally watch the show purely just to get the rating up. Hey, I, someone it. that someone that yeah someone actually put a tweet out. An AEW fan. He uh, tweets out that it's an obligation for all AEW fans to watch AEW this Friday to defeat SmackDown. Oh, just if you're if you're a fan of wrestling and you like SmackDown or you like Rampage, watch what you want to watch. As long as yeah. you enjoy it, that's cool. I mean, we're getting Daniel Bryan versus Minoru Suzuki for free on yeah, on, on YouTube. YouTube. So enjoy it. It's there for yeah. everybody. You don't. It doesn't have to be a competition. It's not a competition. It's a, that competition is a phony, made up competition by media outlets for you to subscribe to their their uh, newsletters or to their uh, paywalls. It's not, yeah. a, it's not a competition. It's more wrestling for, for the rest of us. No wrestling fans should give two shits about how many other wrestling fans are watching that product. Because if yeah. you're enjoying it, why does it matter if no one else is enjoying it? Yeah, and, it. and I'll be honest, one of the reasons I thank AEW, it's made me brother a fan of wrestling again. He, he, he's really into it. And like, because when I moved out, I was always the wrestling fan. He used to watch it because I watched it. Yeah. Uh, but when I moved out, he stopped watching it. But he's like, I watch AEW every week. I really enjoy it. And me and him talks about it. So that's a good thing. But yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, I, I, I can watch some AEW. There's a lot of it I don't like, I'll be honest. But there's some there's some stuff I do like. Same with WWE. It's a lot of stuff I'm like, well, why is this on TV? But at the same time, I'm watching Roman Reigns and the Bloodline every week. And they're just <laughs> smashing it. And I see Brock Lesnar. I see the new NXT. Some people don't enjoy it. I like the new NXT. I think, I think it's brilliant. I think it's a breath of fresh air. It's gone back to what NXT was always meant to be. It was yeah. a, a breeding ground for new talent. It's only... I, I won't say it's fully because of AEW. And we've gone off on a mad tangent here, but I won't say it's fully <laughs> because of AEW. I think it was more an attack on indie wrestling in general with it being yeah. uh, so hot that that uh, Vince and WWE want to hit as many kind of uh, 
demographics and as many wrestling fans as, as they can. That's why you have NXT UK for British wrestling fans. That's why you had 205 for the flippy stuff. That's why you've got Raw and SmackDown for the casuals and, and the kid fans. And that's what NXT eventually uh, moulded into was to to grab that, that indie darling demographic. What eventually happened was AEW kind of stole that fan base away from, from NXT. So NXT had to go back to the drawing board and what really worked for him was bringing in new talent uh, and, and kind of getting ready for, for WWE. Uh, that's when it was probably his heyday when you're looking at like the, the four horsewomen and uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and Samoa Joe, uh, Drew McIntyre, all coming through NXT to go to the main roster. And it kind of got away from that, got to be essentially a third brand. Uh, you weren't seeing as many people met that jump up. And when they did, they didn't kind of translate over because they weren't being prepared for that for that uh, move to Raw or SmackDown. Now, I think with the likes of uh, Joe Gacy, Bron Breaker, and all these younger, hungry talents, Carmelo Hayes, I think it's um, it, it's it's really refreshing for me. Yeah, it's uh, good. But yeah, so hell of a tangent we went on. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it'll be cut, but we'll see. But yeah, so that was that segment. So we moved to the next one, and it's uh, Vince McMahon again. He's on the <laughs> telephone. He, he was is so fucking angry. fuming. Oh my god! How how could you let this happen? Shut up! Don't tell me. But how could you let it happen? And then he smashed the 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 table over essentially. Um, didn't he end it as well? Barting into a strawberry, what he thought was disgusting, ended up spitting it all over. Yeah, he goes, yeah. "You ruined my big moment." <laughs> oh. And uh, next match, uh, so this one is the Hardys and Benoit against uh, Team Eck, and they hype up um, TLC2 at the same time, and uh, good match. I've always loved poetry in motion. It's one mm-hmm. of my favourite tag team movies of all time. Yeah. And I mean, the match was incredibly short. What was it, like three minutes maybe? This this was certainly not a raw you would go to if you want 15-minute masterpiece wrestling, but it was essentially a show to harp the the purchase of WCW and the and the, the upcoming pay per view and it did that that promo from uh, the Dudleys uh, at WF New York was everything it needed to do simple effective this match was simple and effective it furthered the the storyline with the Hardys and Edge and Christian going into that TLC two furthered the storyline with Benoit and Kurt Angle which literally just got set about half an hour before so yeah, yeah. it was it was fun and it was short and sharp. Yeah, and uh, match finish where uh, Benoit hits the uh, crossface on Christian to make him tap. But then Brawl afterwards, uh, Rhino comes out afterwards, goes Matt Hardy, then goes Lita. Uh, I've always loved the gore. Rhino's up there for like the top spears. Perhaps Goldberg maybe number one, but Rhino's a close second. For for impact, I think Rhino is, yeah. is the best because he, man woman or child, he he will slam right through you. Uh, you'll see, like, say, Edge's spear. He kind of hugs you, and then yeah. you go to the ground. Same with Goldberg, in a way, but he's a little bit more impactful. Rano literally didn't do any of that. He just ran through your shoulder first, and you were just, yeah. a, you were just a block in his way. <laughs> I'll tell you which Goldberg's spear I loved. It was Royal Rumble 2004, where he speared Nunzio. He took him like halfway across the ring. It was a hell of a spear. 
<laughs> so yeah, and uh, so we see another promo for the XFL where will John Avery be back? <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know who John Avery was, but yeah, I hope he were back back in two thousand and one. And we see a clip of uh, Raw or SmackDown from a few weeks ago, and Triple H with a sledgehammer attack on Taker. Uh, Lit him up, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, and, and that one line promo, it's it's something that I've never ever forgot. The uh, at WrestleMania, Dead Man Inc. goes belly up. What a great line! Yeah, and yeah, Bros. Destructions with uh, Kevin Kelly. It's always great to see Kevin Kelly. Uh, someone yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try and get him on the show. He'd be well, good interview. Yeah. A friend of uh, a Changing Attitude podcast, uh, or uh, from from a Changing Attitude. Uh, had a had a sit down interview with, with Kevin Kelly recently about like his uh his views on the the mid nineties wrestling uh, the AEW New Japan so yeah uh, go and check that out in the the Radio Techers archives but yeah he's a great it was a great interview yeah you should definitely uh, try and snag him for that nineties wrestling podcast I bet he's got tons more stories oh yeah awesome so next we see yeah uh, test. Always been a fan of Test. Another guy took away way too soon. And he's a European champion and he has a match against X-Pac with uh, Albert. Uh, yeah. I, I, I couldn't help but you know when I thought Albert, I thought Fat Albert. Hey, hey. <laughs> I've just give Albert as well the uh, mullet of the night award for his um, for the, the Christmas episode of 2000 because there was no real standout hairdos. And I always thought his, his beard kind of like cut into his piercings was was pretty cool. But yeah, I, I was never a massive fan of Test. Um yeah. I always thought it was it was okay for what he did. He was a good big man. But I just just something about him that didn't really click with me. But saying that I was more of a Test fan than I was uh, an Albert fan. That's for oh, yeah. that's for sure. And uh, Paul Heyman brings up that tonight's Raw is Raw is uh, sponsored by uh, Uncle Ben's. I can't remember the last time I had Uncle Ben's. <laughs> but oh, what a time to strong arm it in, though. Oh, yeah. Speaking of mullets and perhaps <laughs> the winner for tonight, the refer- special referee is Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> and that is a glorious mullet. He's definitely shaved the sides and uh, yeah. left that left that long flowing locks at the, the back. This was before the kind of like peak Eddie Guerrero in, in WWE. How kind of like small did he look? I mean, I know he was always a, a small wrestler, but yeah. how, when you look at him when he uh, wins the title, he's really yeah. kind of bulked up. He's really kind of got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, muscle structure here. He's, he's much more kind of a uh, slim, but still a great character and, and a shitty-ass referee uh, really trying to, to screw Test over. Oh, this was like a perfect... I, I miss special referee matches. I don't think we get them often enough. Eddie Guerrero was perfect. Uh, there was the one part where uh, Tess has got X-Pac up in the uh, press slab and Eddie just kicks his heels and <laughs> when X-Pac lands on top, he tries to do the fast count and Tess is like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, great stuff. And uh, X-Pac tries to go for the Bronco Buster and Tess hits a clothesline and he hits the uh, pump handle slam, which I've always loved the uh, pump handle slam. Jimmy Caderas runs out and gets a two count and he pulls him out and then Albert hits the bulldog bomb and yeah one two three for X-Pac and then afterwards uh, Eddie beats down Test and they'll be having a match at WrestleMania X7 
for the European title. Uh, not a bad little match. Uh, more of entertainment for Eddie, your special referee. But like you'll know, like people listening, you'll realize like this show, not many matches. I think there's only like one match that goes more than five minutes tonight. This is the the epitome of a go home show. All it is is just mm-hmm. promo, promo after up. promo after promo. Yeah, and yeah. and and saying that straight after this match, we go into a a, a promo where uh, Austin is making coffee. And Michael Cole asks for him for his thoughts on teaming up with The Rock. Uh, and instead, Austin just looks at him and then just walks off. <laughs> and next after that, we see uh, Mick Foley, a uh, big uh, crowd pop for Foley. And he <laughs> comes down. He's got a book in hand. Some people think so I might be coming down with a cheap plug for my book, which is out in such and such a yeah. day. I'm like, you bastard. <laughs> Foley is good. <laughs> Apparently, that's a terrible book as well. It's one of them. I, I read his first one. Um, yeah, the first one's great. Have a nice Diaries. day. Have a nice yeah. day. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and then the Hardcore Diaries is a good one. Uh, I've not really read a lot of the stuff that because he he does like uh, kids stories and stuff like that now, doesn't he? Um, yeah, he does. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure he's super talented. It's just I've not I've not read any of his like non wrestling stuff. No, uh, like I've read Have a Nice Day, which I loved. Uh, I haven't read the Hardcore Diaries, but apparently it's not that good, <laughs> apparently. But I, I'll, I'll see if I can come across it one day. I'd love to uh, read it. But Vince McMahon comes out and says, you know, why are you here? I fired you. And then Foley shows a, a video clip from a few months earlier of him and Linda before Linda became a zombie and <laughs> signing the contract. And it allows him to be a special referee at a match at WrestleMania X7. And He's going to be the referee for the uh, Shane McMahon and Vince McMahon uh, Matt. fun segment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought that, I mean, we've, we've just been giving uh, WF grief for uh, hot-shotting the Kurt and the Benoit match. But this shows that they could also book long-term storylines because I think the the video that, that they showed of, of Linda and Mick backstage, uh, you could tell it was filmed way before because Mick's got way shorter hair. Uh, yeah. the, I think uh, the 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 date on the on the the video camera says something like December the fifth, two thousand. So you're looking at like three months of of storyline telling for for this moment. I thought it was very cleverly done. But yeah, Mick Foley is a special guest referee in the in the Shane versus um, Vince match. It just adds to more stakes. And anytime you get like um, a return of Foley, uh, the crowd always get hyped. So yeah, it was it was a a lot of fun. Oh yeah, I have sent out a lot of requests to get him on the show, but I think he's one of them untouchable guests. So we'll see. Uh, I, I dare say his calendar is just jam packed. Yeah, he'll get to a stage where he just won't answer emails or DMs because there's no point wasting people's time. I yeah. think he's just that that kind of person that he's just wanted to be on everything. And hopefully, you'll get him one day. I mean. Um, a thousand no's and one yes is still a yes, so you might catch him on that one day where he's, he's like got a, uh, some time free or he's in a good mood and and you you get your interview. But yeah, that'll be I I won't give up on it, but it'd be cool if it happened. Oh yeah, and we see Vince McMahon. You mentioned that strawberry spot and spits him out, and uh, then we see the next match: uh, Chris Jericho feed Big Show and. I'll be honest, Max, this is my favourite Chris Jericho. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't I don't disagree with you. I think he's uh superb. 
I think he started really hot uh, with interrupting the the rock. That was kind of like a an acid test to see mm. if he could hang with the the biggest uh, guys in in the company. I think he proved himself well, but as Vince likes to do, gets knocked down the card a little bit just to to prove your wrestling chops, I suppose. Uh, and this is like Jericho essentially building himself back up. This match was nothing to write home about. But it, again, did what it needed to do. It was uh, Regal building up uh, the match for, for him and Jericho at, at WrestleMania, obviously with Regal being commissioner. But yeah, it was a... Uh, I, I, I said to uh, Mrs. Mags, because she she like caught this when I, I was watching, I said, I'm telling her how both of these are now in AEW, the rival company of, uh, of, of WWE, and how they both... Don't look anything like they look now. Ironically, Big Show's trimmed up and looks uh, probably in the best shape he's been in in years. And Jericho looks like a barrel. Yeah. <laughs> Someone posted a picture of you know when Mickey Rock knocked out Jericho at WrestleMania. <laughs> they say I'm not lying. This looks like current day Chris Jericho knocking it really, out. It, it, really, it, really does. it really, really does. But yeah, so so much. Lots of interference. Uh, Raven comes to the ring. So does Kane, hyping up their triple threat match with the big show at WrestleMania for the hardcore title. But Regal makes his way down, hits the Regal cutter on Jericho, and big show hits the choke slam and one, two, three. And yeah, bro, afterwards, uh, Kane hits the choke slam on Raven. And but yeah, that's that. Next, we see the rock walking down the hall and uh, he comes up to some young poor technician, asks him which way is Stone Codes down that way. What do you mean down that way? Down that way to the left? Down that way to the right? <laughs> what? What's your name? And I thought he was going to do it. He's like, no, never mind. And he just carried on walking. Yeah. <laughs> but then we do see uh, the Dudleys in WWF New York, and uh, they hype up TLC2. Would you say this was the peak for the tag team division? This all the early 90s. It's hard to pinpoint it. I think this was probably when... I mean, I've always been a massive tag team wrestling fan anyway, so... I think this really played into to what I loved, and it was hot. It, it was at the time when you, you're looking at you had three of the best tag teams to ever do it. I mean, all three are legitimate Hall of Fame uh, first ballot entries. I mean, the the Dudleys uh, record breakers, no matter where they went. Edge and Christian uh, were just phenomenal in terms of in-ring and with charisma, and, and the Hardy Boys may genuinely be the best brother tag team that there's ever, ever been. Um, yeah. So they, this was always going to be gold. I mean, coming off the back of TLC 1 to have TLC 2, which ends up surpassing the first match in so much that, that WWE essentially made a pay-per-view out of it for the next 20 years. Um, yeah. yeah, this ends up being a, a phenomenal match, and this for me was peak tag team in this era, uh, in like from uh, from like uh, mid nineties all the way up to now. This is probably the best the tag team division has looked for for WWF. Yeah, because it wasn't just these three tag teams. You had the APA, you had the mm-hmm. the, the Hollies, you had the New Age Outlaws before uh, their injury and their split. Right to censor, you had them even. Um, you know, the, the, there was quite a few tag teams and entertaining tag teams. So it is a toss-up between this and late 80s, where you had the Bulldogs, the Foundation, Killer Bees, Demolition and such. But yeah, I would probably the, say the this. Rockers. Yeah, so, yeah, me, it, this is the peak. But, uh, 
yeah, we, we were spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, then we see uh, Stone Cold, The Rock, and Deborah. They're sat down, and we see the Brothers of Destruction running, and then we see uh, Chef Boadi promo and uh, with the Hardy Boys. Have you had, ever had Chef Boyardi? I haven't. <laughs> no, and this was something else I pointed out to, to Mrs. Meg. She's, she likes ravioli. Uh, I'm not so much taken on it, not especially uh, when it's in, in cans. But I said, would you eat all the stuff ravioli? And she looked at it and she went, absolutely I would. But yeah, what a, what a, these Chef Boyardi promos were, were not created by someone with a full shilling. Uh, there was the mankind one where he's sat under a tree eating it essentially out of a can. And then this one where it's all about snowboarding. And then uh, you want to see what's extreme? I'll give you extreme. And we'll just do some random gen- generic wrestling moves. And the, the snowboards are like, whoa, that's like that's awesome. And then Matt Harder, these are going to fill a need. And I'm like, oh, that's not a good punchline for a, a can of ravioli but it it was still fun to watch yeah like this early <laughs> two, late 90s early 2000s it was all about extreme and spelling things with like z's and <laughs> snowboarding and you know extreme sports triple x and all stuff like that it is like it's weird because we've lived through it but it's like going through a time capsule like when we're reviewing early 90s stuff, it really is a time capsule, but yeah. all this early 2000s stuff, I can remember it vividly. <laughs> but I, I remember being into it at the time. and oh, now yeah, looking, Antonio Oaks. Yeah, but now looking back on it, it's like, it's a bit cringy, weren't it? <laughs> cool. So, main event time. The Brothers Destruction, Kane and The Undertaker against the Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, this is just our normal episode of Raw's Raw. This isn't a paper madness. This is uh, the go-home to a WrestleMania. This is a madness match. Can you remember what happened on the go-home show this year for WrestleMania? I've not got a clue. I haven't. Literally not a clue. This, I can remember. I can remember WrestleMania 13's go-home show, vividly. I can remember quite a few, but this this year... I don't remember. Any, I don't even remember what happened at WrestleMania. Never mind the <laughs> I hope the WWE XX uh, listen to this. Spoiler alert. I might be getting some WWE interviews. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> you may not know. I may not depending, know. On, depending on whether this, is, this comes out uh, in time, they may revoke your media pass. We love you, Vince. Don't you worry. Oh, we do. That's being general. We do love Vince. <laughs> Just it's just a hot match, ain't it? This ain't this ain't you know catches can wrestling. This is like hitting. Sure. You got rock, yeah. yeah. You got Rock and Kane starting things off, uh, firing shot. You got Austin tagging in. You got Taker tagging in. Blue fest presses. Uh, rock and Kane's fighting outside. Yeah, I mean there's a spot where Tombstone Taker tries Tombstone Austin, pushes Austin into the rock and goes for the last ride and. Triple H comes in with a chair, hits Taker with the chair, and one, two, three. It was just a hectic match, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. And what really got me hyped for it, though, is, is the the intros, uh, the the music yeah. where I've always loved that, where they uh, kind of meld Kane's intro music into rolling. I thought that that's brilliant. But, yeah, this match was five minutes of glory, gloriousness. Uh, you've got four of the biggest stars of this era just 
just waylaying each other. You've got Triple H coming out to to hype his uh, his match with uh, with Undertaker at WrestleMania, and then you you've got the ending. That ending is brilliant, though a brilliant way to to lead into a pay per view. Yeah, well, after the match, Austin's calling for beers because he got the pinfall on Taker, and Rock comes up from behind, and you think he's going to hit a rock bottom, but no, hits a stunner. But it's, another it, beer. it's the anticipation, though, because you see Austin yeah. there with two beers, and he's opening them, and Rock stood just behind him, and then he just like slyly moves a can out the way, and then he just drops into position like you know, oh, he's going to hit the rock bottom. It's going to end with Stone Cold on the floor. And then he does a stunner. It's not the best stunner. A lot of people who do the stunner onto Austin don't really do it well, but it looks cool. And then he uh, he opens a beer, puts one at the side of Austin's head. What a what a build up to to WrestleMania that is. That's awesome. That that if you weren't hard to watch WrestleMania, and if you weren't if you weren't this something massively wrong to you. This was the perfect way to build into it, I think. Yeah, and I mean, you could, like we mentioned, like Prince Man has just bought WCW literally a, f- a week before the biggest show of all time for WWE. Yeah, pretty much. So he's had to like sort that out. He's had to. I would imagine he rewrote a lot of this show on the fly. But like going through the card, look at the amount of Hall of Famers. Like Chris Benoit, obviously that he's not going to be in the Hall of Fame for obvious reasons. Pr- had that. Tragically not happened, he would be in the Hall of Fame, safe to say. But obviously, that's not going to happen now. So, Jericho, future Hall of Fame, he's going to come back one day, guaranteed. Big Show's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day, you could say. Austin's already in there. Rock's going to be in there, obviously. Kane's in there. Taker's going to be in there. Triple H made his appearance. He's going to be in there. The Angle, the Hall Angle Edge. Edge. Christian will be one day. The Hardy Boys, I would Say is a bet to go in there eventually. William uh, Regal. Regal. Who else is on the card? I mean, obviously, the APA, both of them's in the Hall Trish of Fame. Stratus. Trish Stratus. Lita. Lita. Um, obviously, there's some, you know, maybe posthumous eventually, like a test or a crash alley, perhaps one day. X-Pac. Posthumous. X-Pac's in there. X-Pac's um, in there. Multiple times, isn't he? X-Pac's in there with NWR and with DX. Yeah. The amount of Hall of Famers, like all world champions, what was on this card? It's mm-hmm. staggering, like the amount of star power, and we never saw much wrestling. Yeah, I, I think, thought, I, I think like I, you said, the, I didn't the care. Long, yeah, the longest match went around five minutes. Uh, there yeah. was what four matches on the card in total, maybe five. No, I think it was yeah. four. Oh no, five. Yeah, there was five because we got William Regal as well, which uh, which I forgot about. But for a two-hour RAW. With uh, less than twenty minutes of of wrestling, right at this now, if this happened in twenty twenty one, we would be raking this over the coals. Uh, yeah. It would be getting uh, getting slated on on uh, wrestling social media, but it did exactly what it needed to do. It built everything up for for WrestleMania. We got uh, all the storylines progressing. We also got the the simulcast part, which, as you said, that was booked on the fly essentially. Uh, because of how quick that deal went through, so yeah, the the wrestling was was secondary in this. It was all about telling the stories and and getting to to WrestleMania. Yeah, and I mean it's weird because like obviously I, I love wrestling, but for me, re- and I've said this many times, wrestling to me is not the most important part of wrestling. 
Uh, I, I don't know if that's just because it's the WWE fan of me, but this show was booked perfectly for me because I like a good wrestling match as much as the next person. I've said many times, Bret Hart's my favorite wrestler of all time. Clearly, I love wrestling. But I've always said that your 20-minute-plus matches, you save them for the pay-per-views. Once in a while, it works on TV, obviously. And I suppose today's different, but I've always said, like, keep your matches short on the TVs, you know, promos and hype up your big matches. Have your big matches at the pay-per-view. And that was what we used to do when used to do really, really well. And fortunately... I don't know if that's because today's wrestlers are more talented in ring rather than on the mic and doing promos. That's probably one of the reasons. But I just miss this way of wrestling. And yeah, <laughs> call me a boomer, call me someone who's nostalgic. But to me, this was the peak of wrestling. And I'm sad to say, I don't think we'll ever get to this point. And I hope I'm wrong. But to I, me, I think, I think it's because. Now, especially when you look at uh, WWE, the the star is the brand. The star is the company. Yes. Outs- outside, like uh, a few uh, kind of odd ones, like Roman and, and probably people like Edge. The company is the star. Whereas yeah. uh, back then, Taker, Kane, Austin, The Rock, uh, Kurt Angle, Benoit, these were all massive, massive stars. Chris Jericho. Uh, all yeah. huge stars, huge names when uh, a company, uh, whether they brought the wrestler in with a huge name or they built the wrestler from the ground up, but they, they built them to a point where they were crossing over into mainstream. These were getting six million people to tune in every single week without fail. Uh, these Crazy. were huge, huge stars. Uh, and we yeah. just don't get that now. And no. I think we, we suffer because of that, because wrestling needs massive stars you can't get invested if everyone's cookie cutter or everybody's uh, doesn't get that chance to shine or you get the the 50-50 booking, nobody uh, ends up being a huge star. And I understand why Vince did it. It's because he didn't want to be put under the pressure of, of losing a, a huge star like The Rock or a huge mm-hmm. star like Stone Cold. He didn't want to put himself in that position where he loses that bargaining power. He wants his wrestlers to be replaceable because he wants people to watch WWE, not The Rock or not Stone Cold. He, he wants them to watch his product. So I understand his business point behind it, but for me, that took away from the whole point of wrestling because you get uh, you align yourself with your favorite wrestler. Your favorite wrestler is not the company; it's the wrestler. Yeah, and the last wrestler to be that big, you could say, is probably John Cena, and obviously he's gone off to do movies mm-hmm. now. Uh, uh, thankfully, John Cena loves wrestling and he will come back when he can. So that's the bonus. But like Roman's a big star, but yeah, besides Brock and Brock's only part time and Edge, you can't even say Rollins is like a superstar. And I love Rollins, but he's not a big level like these guys, especially yeah, uh, even I, Roman. So I mean, for for me, the biggest legitimate star that's currently working in WWE on a regular basis. I mean, you could make an argument for Roman, yeah. but I mean, in terms of p- pure crossover, I think it's The Miz. I think The Miz is the biggest yeah. star because he's everywhere. He is yeah. the the epitome of someone who works for that company. He has uh, hit TV shows, 
uh, of, of his own, but are always linked to WWE. He's on pretty much every kind of reality show that, that's pitched to him, and he's always pushing WWE on him. He's, I think he's a brilliant company man, someone who's very underappreciated for what oh, yeah. he actually does for wrestling. Yeah, I, I love this, and yeah, and he's earned every bit of success he's got. So yeah, uh, another first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, so cool. So Max, we'll uh, get to some awards. So we're retiring the uh, well, we're suspending the Rene Goulet Memorial Haircut Award tonight because we're doing the mullet of the night. So we'll go right in with that. I think it's a bit <laughs> of a spoiler, but are we going Latino Heat for the mullet of the night? I mean, it's the it's the only mullet that stood out for me. Um, yeah. It was the throwback to, to those 90s wrestling podcast monthly pay-per-view reviews, just how glorious of a mullet it actually was. Very much on the corner crush style of mullet. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's got to be Eddie Guerrero. Awesome. Match of the night. So... <laughs> <laughs> this is fucking slim pickings. Let's yeah. tell you. <laughs> I mean, probably go with the main event. I mean, I mean, none of the matches had any kind of consequence at, at all. Uh, yeah. The first match was uh, Taz versus Val, less Fine than a minute. Um, <laughs> William Regal versus uh, Malioli went w- essentially one move. Uh, yeah. Just uh, kind of just did the Regal stretch. The Hardy Boys and Benoit versus uh, Kurt and Edgy Christian. I mean, you could say that, but again, it only went two minutes, so there's not a lot of heft there. So it has to be the main event because it's the only one that that got close to five minutes and it's also got four of the biggest names to ever be in a wrestling ring uh, in in the history of the business. So, yeah, it's got to be that one. They made the most than five minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Moment of the night. I suppose it's the obvious one, isn't it? (laughs) It's... I mean, you could probably pin it down to Shane McMahon kind of pulling the rug under uh, from under Vince uh, if you're going to define it to one very kind of specific moment. But for me, it's the whole simulcast section where Vince comes out uh, and he's been on both uh, WCW, Nitro and uh, Raw at the same time. I think that is monumental in terms of uh, of what it meant for, for wrestling. It was just a huge, huge moment. So I think it's unfair to kind of just pin it down on, on Shane uh, coming out. I think all that section just, it was just so historic that I've got to give it to the whole simulcast section. Yeah, I'm in agreement. And MVP of the night, got to be Fence, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, he was a massive part of all the show. But I think for for just sheer impact compared to how long someone was on a show and the amount of lines they got, I'm going to give it Shane. I'm going to say Shane McMahon was the MVP because he was out for 30 seconds. He essentially says two sentences and he changes the course of, of what would happen over the next year in the in the the wrestling business so uh whilst this was very much a vince's night this was vince gloating all night just having that rug pulled underneath uh, from underneath him by shane and the smarminess when he says uh the name on the contract <laughs> does say mcmahon only it reads shane mcmahon oh that was 
it, that was devastating to to Vince, and yeah, I, I'm going to give it Shane as my MVP just for that, just for sticking it to the old man. Awesome. Well, Marks, really enjoy this. I want to say thanks to uh, Rob and Dan for allowing us to uh, take over. They've been doing a great job every week. It's nearly a year's worth of content they've put out, so an unbelievable job by uh, Rob and Dan. So thank you for letting us take over for this one week. Had a great time, uh, but Mags, before we do go, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, I've just got to uh, reiterate uh, James's uh, thoughts there. Uh, to from going from someone who, who's been involved with with all three of these guys on uh, on uh, the the monthly paper, used to seeing Rob and Dan really flourish with uh, unbooking the territories. I think it's a, such a cool idea, and then for to be asked to be involved in this. Yeah, it's, a, it's been an absolute privilege. Uh, I've really, really enjoyed it. And yeah, uh, thanks for, for involving us. And hopefully we'll uh, we'll go bigger and better for season two. But yeah, uh, in terms of my content, you can follow me on Twitter at PodFatherMags. I'm involved in, in way too much content for any one man. Uh, but mainly it's uh, Radio Techers, where we cover football, wrestling. Uh, I'm involved in quite a few shows on there. Uh, and over on Chairshot, I've got uh, Midweek Mainstay with my good buddy Ray Cash and uh, A Changing Attitude, which covers a lot of the same stuff that uh, that uh, we cover uh, on uh, that Nantes Wrestling Podcast. But just a little bit later in in, in the, the timeline, uh, we're essentially going through the Attitude Era and um, ripping it to shreds week on week. It's a drag to watch, but we get some comedy out of it. So I'll definitely check that out. Just follow me on Twitter for, for all the links to my content. Awesome. And yeah, everyone, if this is the first time you listen to the show, please subscribe to Unbooking the Territory wherever on my feed, that 90s wrestling podcast feed, or on your own feed, uh, Unbooking the Territory or UTT podcast. Please do so. And if you want to check out my stuff, if you're a first time listener, please subscribe to my uh, podcast channels. Uh, that 90s wrestling podcast where I do weekly paper, uh, monthly pay-per-views, my mistake, with uh, Mags, Rob, and Dan. Uh, we have a great time doing that. Coming out soon is King of the Ring 93, so we're we're street, we're steaming into that new generation era. So if you want to listen to the good stuff, listen to listen to our Hulkamania era first, and yeah. then ease yourself into the new gen. Um, <laughs> but I also do interviews with names mentioned tonight and names mentioned from the past or current wrestlers so uh, some big names which i've been lucky to interview so please check them out and if you're looking for some weekly news i also do a podcast with former wwe star from the ruthless aggression era renee dupree uh, called cafe day renee uh we take a look at the week's wrestling news and also talk about his careers and that's available on podcast form and on youtube uh, same with Fat 90s Wrestling Podcast. It's available on YouTube if you want to watch everything in the video format. So thanks again for everyone who's checked us out. And please subscribe, like, comment, and yeah, check us out in the next one. Bye. Because, Dad, the deal is finalized with WCW. And the name on the contract does say McMahon. Contract reads Shane McMahon. Oh my God! Oh, I don't believe it! That's right. I now own WCW. And then, just like WCW did in the past, 
how it kicked your ass in the past, and it will again. That's exactly what's gonna happen to you this Sunday at WrestleMania.